Welcome to Ride With Us. Ride With Us. Presented by the American Coaster Enthusiasts, a group of super fans with a mission to appreciate, promote, and preserve roller coasters around the globe. Around the globe. It's time to keep your hands and feet inside the podcast at all times. Here's your hosts, Clint Novak and Chris Roberry. And we've got a new voice on the podcast. Clint Novak was a little too busy this week at Funland at Fredericksburg, but we have Ace Communications Director Elizabeth Ringus with us. How are you, Elizabeth? I'm great. How are you doing, Chris? I'm so excited. This is probably the best time of the year, I think, for enthusiasts because it is announcement season and we're going to recap what we know so far. It is a great time of year. I mean, how exciting. And it's getting cool in the park and Halloween is rolling out. There's so much excitement coming. And then to see Wells about to come for 22, I can't wait for all these new rides. Me too. So there are a lot of great events in the parks and there's a lot of great ACE events coming up as well. We'll also recap the Golden Ticket Awards and maybe even do some myth busting as well on them. Ooh. Ooh. I know. I was really happy with what they do with the Golden Tickets this year in lieu of the normal event because of COVID, but I love that they're thinking outside the box and still making it happen. Absolutely. And it was a lot of fun being a part of that as well. And we'll also give a quick little preview about a new documentary about Rocky Mountain construction. But first, before we get to all those exciting things, let's check out some of the great ACE events happening in your area. Join ACE Midwest for Quaff the Raven, Ride Some More on Saturday, October 2nd. On Sunday, October 3rd, check out Ace Night at Knott's Scary Farm at Knott's Berry Farm, hosted by Ace Southern California. Phoenix Fall Fun Fest returns on Saturday, October 9th at Knobles Amusement Resort. Ace South Central welcomes everyone to Fright Bash at Six Flags Fiesta, Texas on Saturday, October 16th, and Ace Day at ZDT's on Sunday, October 17th. That same weekend, Enjoy Fall Thrill Fest with Ace Mid-Atlantic at King's Dominion and Celebrate America at Six Flags America, also hosted by Ace Mid-Atlantic. Finally, if you're looking to get into the holiday spirit early, join Silver Dollar City and the Ace Heart of America region for Coaster Christmas on Saturday, November 13th. And for more details and even more events, be sure to check out the website, aceonline.org. Well, Elizabeth, they say that Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. But for coaster enthusiasts like us, I think it's really the end of summer and the start of fall as the parks begin to reveal all their new plans for next season. It really is because it is like unwrapping gifts. There's all this unexpected excitement and you just sometimes don't know what's coming. Most definitely. And I think (laughs) given the past couple of years, who knows what the heck is around the corner these days. But I'm very excited to see that the parks are starting to plan out these new big capital improvements again. Kind of makes things kind of go back to a bit more sense of normalcy, don't you think? I agree. And not not only do we have the announcements of the ones that we were expecting in 20 and 21, now rolling out in 22, but we have new coasters that we weren't expecting to see opening in 22 getting announced. Certainly. And I think some of these, well, I'll be full disclosure. I may have known about one for a while, but that's because working with Ride Entertainment, you kind of get to do that sort of thing. (laughs) But I think the one that did catch everybody off guard, uh, your welcome coaster enthusiasts, 
was Defiance at Glenwood Caverns, which is that new record-breaking Gerslauer Eurofighter that's going in, oh, on top of a mountain, by the way. That is so exciting for Glenwood Caverns. I can't wait to see what comes of that. And I love that it's going to be an attention getter for that park, a park I already love for some great things they have that are featured through there. Going to be one of the probably the most beautiful first drops you will ever see uh, on any roller coaster. I think the one ride that seems to be getting a lot of the the press right now is probably Iron Gwazi, just because it's been sitting there for, for some time. And we finally got the word that it's going to be opening in early 2022. The wait makes it that much more exciting about how great this ride is. I've had a chance to talk with a few folks who have had the incredible privilege of going on it. And they're pretty excited about opening it as well. There is. There is so much excitement from those involved closer, like the manufacturers. They just can't wait to see the rides open. I think they might just be as excited as we are. So it sure feels like Florida might just be the epicenter of coasters for the next little while. We've got Iron Gwazi opening up early next year. Icebreaker is opening up. And also there's still two rides, Guardians of the Galaxy, that is opening up at, I believe it's Epcot, right? Yes, Guardians of the Galaxy is opening at Epcot. And then we have Tron opening at the Magic Kingdom. Plus, Velocicoaster just opened. Who has gotten a chance to ride that yet? We would love for you to send us an audio clip about your new coaster experience you've already had this year. And certainly it won a Golden Ticket Award, so you know it's got to be pretty darn good. I definitely enjoyed my ride on it. And taking a ride on it after dark, it enhanced it even more. So I know I said just a couple seconds ago that Florida seems to be the epicenter of coasterdom for the next year, but you know, us down in Texas, we like things pretty big too. And we've got quite a few good rides coming your way as well. There is, there's a lot happening in Texas. I mean, two great new attractions that look unique and will give us a good new thrill, I think. Certainly. Uh, Aquaman Power Wave right down the street here at Six Flags Over Texas in Arlington. Uh, delayed a year, not because of any uh, construction setbacks, but because the park wanted to enhance the guest experience. You will. This is something pretty awesome. So, so instead of just going with the one boat that they were going to originally, they went back to the original design, which is a two-boat turntable in the station. So it doubles capacity, and they're going to be adding queue enhancements. So you're not going to be out just in the sun the entire time. I'm definitely very excited about this. That sounds like an ideal guest experience. I mean, what better way to invest in your park and your ride than looking at what the guests will enjoy? And they're definitely going to enjoy that ride more with some shade and more throughput. Absolutely. And the park just announced that they're bringing back their classic dark ride, the cave, uh, Pirates of Spelunker Cave, they're calling it. So that'll be a nice additional way to cool off because i don't know if you knew this but it doesn't get hot in texas in the summer just kidding it does (laughs) it's 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 terrible but when having all these different uh experiences to cool you down definitely a plus and not being any slouches we have a brand new to us schwarzkopf wildcat coming to coda land which is just outside of austin and then down the street from that, we have Dr. Diabolical's Cliffhanger, which is a B&M dive coaster going into Fiesta, Texas. Wow, it is going to be the summer for Texas, it sounds like. Well, that's just a small amount of the announcements that have been made already. 
which ones are you most looking forward to? Send us an email at podcast at aceonline.org because we'd love to hear from you about what rides you're thinking about going on road trips or maybe doing a big travel trip just to experience yourself. Which one are you looking most forward to, Elizabeth? I can't lie. I'm excited about Pantheon because it's just down the street from me. And I've been looking at that through construction. And as I drive by, I am ready to get my ride on Pantheon. Yeah, I almost completely forgot about Pantheon over there at Busch Gardens, Williamsburg. It's kind of crazy with so many ride announcements and with other ones being delayed, you forget about some of these other ones that are in there. So, oh my goodness, I got a lot of traveling to do next year. <laughs> I am going to be on the road. I cannot wait to experience these new rides. And don't forget, we got to take a trip across the country to San Diego and get our ride on Emperor. Oh, oh my goodness. I hope Southwest you're, you're ready because I'm about to earn a ton of miles. Well, Elizabeth, recently Amusement Today put out their annual list of the Golden Ticket Awards, the best of the best. And it felt like everything was kind of normal again, a little bit. It wasn't an in-person celebration, but it certainly got a lot of people talking online, didn't it? That it did. And it was fun to be immersed in it. I actually really like it because not having been able to attend it in person, it makes me feel like I was more a part of it. We sat down with Tim Baldwin, communications coordinator for Amusement Today's Golden Ticket Awards to talk about how they started and to dispel some myths that have formed around this annual event. Well, everybody, I am very excited today to be talking with my good friend, Tim Baldwin, not only from American Coaster Enthusiast, but also the Amusement Today editorial staff and the Golden Ticket Awards communications coordinator. It's a lot of hats, Tim. <laughs> oh, that doesn't even count my ace hats, but... Uh... You know, I've been with Amusement Today for probably 20 years, so uh, even when my career as a school teacher was going on, it was an ideal fit because uh, Gary Slade, honorary ACE member, is the publisher of Amusement Today, and I had summers off as a school teacher. It's like, where are you going? What can you write about? So I always had my foot in the door and getting some articles written for the paper. And then, you know, after I retired six years ago, it just blew it wide open. It's like, okay, I, I can take on a lot more, which is a good thing and a bad thing, but <laughs> but but I have. And, um, you know, I've been involved with the Golden Tickets for, for so long, so um, it, it, it's a good fit. How did you get started in ACE originally? Way back when, I don't know, I had heard about it, I'd seen something in it, probably on a TV show or something, because, you know, that was way back in the internet, before the internet, and I... Um, it was 1989 when I finally joined, and I'd found an address, I think, in a magazine, and I wrote to it, and it wasn't, um, it was when I think Ace was kind of teething, where just getting things out on time way back um, in the 80s was kind of a concern they were dealing with, but I was mailed a flyer to an event, and that's all it was, but it wasn't how to become a member, so, um, I was unsure at that time. I just didn't know. And then the Texas Giant was being built at Six Flags Over Texas. And I happened to be working out at the park. And I um, was out at the construction site just taking pictures. And one of the park people says, oh, do you know Gary Slade? And it's like, no. And they gave me uh, uh, a card. I think it had, uh, Gary was one of two regional reps we had at the time. And uh, I, I 
guess I called the other one first on James. And we talked on the phone for like an hour. It's like, oh my gosh, here was a guy that was talking about everything from tracer lights going around a, a roller coaster to, <laughs> you know, first drops. Everything's like, this is fun. And uh, before long, we had our off-season gathering. It was before it was called Winterfest. It was just, um, just the local Acers kind of meeting at uh, Ward Bindle's dad's house. You know, we all just got together in January. And I thought, oh my gosh, here are people that are like me. I am not alone. You know, there are so many people who feel that for some reason or another. It's like, it's not just me. There are other coaster people. So I fit into these people really well. And, um, you know, that took place over two or three months. But once I talked to Don, I, I joined. I ordered every issue of Roller Coaster that was there, which at the time was about 34. You know, now we're work, uh, sending issue 158 to print, you know. so. But I got those, and I just sat on the couch over the holidays and just started with issue one and just kept reading and reading. And, um, you know, that's how I got into Ace, a, a very friendly group here in North Texas. And just started doing the events. And before you know it, you meet everybody. And ACE is really about people. Most definitely. And it's really cool to be able to go to all these parks. And the odds are, when you're an ACE member, you're going to know somebody in that area who will meet up, say hi, get to know each other. It's really, I really have not experienced that in any other organization before. That ability to travel and find others out there. It's really special. Some of my closest friends uh, I actually met on coaster stations. You know, um, I, I just, they remember meeting me more than I remember meeting them. But, you know, I I go back and I think about that. It's like, yeah, yeah. And I have so many friends now. It's like, how did we meet? You know, it seems like you've always been in my life. And I've developed so many of those close relationships that sometimes I have forgotten how how we did stumble across each other, but oftentimes I was just on a coaster trip and here was someone with a different coaster shirt from across the country on that that station. And, you know, I've met uh, just close friends, just dear friends, uh, actually came to my wedding uh, on the B station and on Timberwolves station. So it was, you know, Ace really is a group of... It's an equalizer. You could be the richest person, the poorest person. You could have a, you know, a fancy degree. You could be working minimum wage, and you're all the same because you love coasters. Mm -hmm. So, so you can identify with each other. It's wonderful. We really are connected by coasters. We really are, and it's it's such a cool bond to have to have this fun hobby that you can go anywhere, pretty much in the country or even around the world, and be able to enjoy it and potentially meet new people. That's the greatest part, I think, of the organization. We really are an ace family. Indeed, absolutely. So let's go back to a little bit then and talk a bit more about amusement today. The Golden Ticket Awards started way back in 1998, but they didn't start as an in-person event, did they? No, they didn't. Um, Gary actually had a previous experience with a different publication. It's called Inside Track, and they did a reader's poll and every year, one of the pages was, um, you know, you put down your favorites and everything, and then you mailed it in, and they tabulated the results. And, you know, people paid attention to that. And, you know, once that publication kind of went to the side there, 
Gary was uh, encouraged by Bruce Neal, who was a PR legend here at Six Flags Over Texas and had worked closely with with Gary as uh, an Ace Regional Rep at the time. He said, there needs to be a publication about the business side, you know. So Gary shifted from the fan base side on the publication and covered the business side and established Amusement Today in 1997. Well, once it was going, he had people contact him and say, you need to do this poll again. That was fun. That was a that was a good marketing tool. And so he was encouraged to do that. In 1998, I remember he and I sat down in his living room and he had some, I guess, some event registration list. And we started pulling people for that very first panel. But I can tell you one thing is from the beginning, Gary wanted it to be balanced. He didn't want everyone to live in one part of the country. So we started pooling our resources. Ace had a directory way back then, and we just started finding people. And it was it was smaller then uh, in terms of the number of ballots, but we still wanted to make sure each part of the country was balanced equally. And oh my gosh, 20 years later, it's <laughs> it's way bigger and we have people from around the world participating. So it's, it's, it's evolved. And you brought up a really good point, which is this panel is balanced. There's a lot of other publications out there, a lot of other social media accounts that do their own awards or do their own ranking system. What makes the golden ticket so different besides the fact that you said that the voting is balanced and how is it balanced? Uh, that's exactly right. You know, there are so many things out there that, um, you know, publications, social media that do their own thing, and I wouldn't take anything away from those. Each has their own merits, and if it spotlights something great about the industry, good. You know, that's a good thing. But I am proud that um, we really do concentrate to make sure it's not just one part of the country. We divide the country into quarters, if you will and make sure uh, pretty much equal amount of ballots go to each of those quarters. And then we even have a bigger one, uh, slightly, I guess, international voters. And that one I wish we could grow as big as we could because I really want representation of the industry around the world. Um, We also want experienced voters. And bless their hearts, I love it when I'm contacted by people following the results or or throughout the year they'll say, hey, I'd like to vote on my favorites. And I often ask questions. Since, you know, if they've been to seven or eight parks and been on about 30 coasters, you know, I always encourage them, keep riding, keep traveling, you know, build that level of experience. But Amusement Today has found, you know, so many of the most experienced, most traveled people to have a broad range of expertise and I, I'm really proud that we embrace those people who have a lot to share. You know some of these other polls really sometimes can be just pleased to their locals to oh vote for us, vote for your hometown park, you know help us win. And that's fine, that's great, good for them, you know develop that loyalty, that's great, but you know, the Golden Ticket Awards really come from an experienced uh, set of panelists. And how many voters are there in total? Do you know? We send out more than 500 ballots each year. And I want to say that's three or four times 
the number of ballots that the Golden Globes <laughs> sent out. Uh, <clears throat> but, you know, so it's uh, a lot of times like, how did that win? I can't believe it. But if people get upset with the result, I love that because that means they're passionate. And when their favorites don't win, that, that kind of strikes a nerve with them. It's like, how could someone else think their right is better than my favorite, you know? And... Um, and that's a good thing, but at the same point, when you ask 500 people their opinion, you don't argue with it. It's just like, <laughs> we sent out, and so you've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people to share their opinion, so you kind of have a good representation of, you know, the most experienced people out there. So we're not going to argue with it. We tabulate the results, and we give out the awards. So, you know, that's, I, I, I'm proud of what we do. Yeah, if anything, the past couple of years have proven to us as a nation and as a world that you put two people in a room, they're not going to have the same opinion, let alone 500 plus people and the ones that are passionate about talking about roller coasters and amusement parks. Uh, you can have arguments in lines. Everyone's had arguments in lines. Now you just add it in as an official ballot and oh my goodness, look out. Yeah, well, you know. Everyone's top 10 list looks pretty different. Pull out any issue of Roller Coaster Magazine and you have the ace profiles in the back and people always list their top five wood, their top five steel. Grab four or five issues, none of them look alike. Everyone has their own favorites. And so having that representation in the Golden Ticket Awards just makes it stronger. So if somebody is really upset about the Golden Ticket Awards, which you shouldn't be because it's just an award, everyone just calm down. How do they become a voter? Well, <clears throat> all they have to do is contact me. And I will say my email address at Amusement Today is tbaldwin at amusementtoday.com. And then just say, hey, this is my level of experience. If you've traveled overseas, fantastic. We love that. Um, if you just, you know, you do multiple trips throughout the years. If you've been on... 200, 300, 400 coasters, you're a good candidate. But I also like to find people, hey, I love going to shows, I love doing water parks, and embracing the full experience that you have in the amusement industry. So those are the people that we really seek. And the panel has never been the same twice. We have never had the exact same panel from year to year. There's always changes. I, I actually have people that say, I've gotten older, I just can't travel anymore. It's probably time for me to be removed so someone else can take my place. And and bless their hearts. It's very nice of them to do that. So I think um, anyone who really feels they have a lot of experience, then yeah, contact me. We always want a different panel every year. It just keeps it fresh. And if it keeps it competitive, too, with the parks and facilities, which means they're always going to constantly try to up their game which is great for everybody, not necessarily just park fans, right? Uh, I, I would say so, yeah. Yeah, it's really nice when parks have their events so that they can showcase their strengths. But I love Dolly Parton's quote she uh, provided to me when we were putting this issue together. She said, we, do what we, we don't do what we do to win awards, you know, but they are pleased that, that they did receive those awards because it just... Uh, reaffirms that the decisions they're doing are really well. Um, so, you know, yeah, sure. Every park wants 
wants to see their name on the charts, but you have to deliver the, the experience. You have to have the quality of the rides and everything. But it, it is good. When, when every park pushes themselves to be the best they can be, then we all win. So with all that being said, and in the weird world that we live in now, what are some of the golden ticket conspiracy theories, some of the myths <laughs> that maybe you want to dispel? Be an Adam and Jamie. Let's do some myth busting on the Golden Ticket Awards. What are some of the things you've heard? And let's dispel them right now. Well, one thing, I, I, you have to develop a thick skin when you're doing anything in the public. So no. I, I'm always usually on a just a, a really nice high following the events. And then you see people who will complain. And again, it comes from usually passion. There are a few people that might just be mean-spirited. They're, they're just mean people. But for the most part, I think people wanted to see their favorites win, so then they uh, start questioning it. And, but that's any awards. Any awards. The Grammys, the Oscars. Oh my gosh, so-and-so was snubbed. This was an upset. I can't believe it. You know, there is, I don't think there's any awards out there that when it's said and done, everyone says, oh, it all worked out just the way I wanted. <laughs> you know, uh, that is the nature of awards, but it's because people have a deep love for what they're watching. Um, oh, one, of, one of the first myths out there was, oh, if you buy an ad, you're going to win an award. And I can tell you right now, that never happened because... <laughs> Once we produce the issue to put it out, then we start contacting winners and say, hey, you know, would you like to drop in an ad? Or the manufacturer that manufactured those rides. You know, that's a good advertising thing for them. It's like, look, our ride just won. Um, why don't you come buy one of our rides? You know, they're award winners. So mm -hmm. it, it's a, it's just a good marketing tool from the manufacturing side. It it just all works. But no, you, you can't buy your way into an award. That's... That's just not even a thing. And if people really say, I don't believe you, Tim, all you have to do is look back. After 16 years, Cedar Point um, lost Best Park. And there was a time I thought, no one's ever going to knock them out. No one's just going to do that because Cedar Point's an amazing place. It is my happy place. I love it. It's a wonderful park. It is. It is. But then when Europa finally toppled them back, I believe it was 2016, um, the ads that came in from those two parks, Cedar Point congratulated Europa Park for taking the win. And Europa acknowledged them in their ads. Like, I'm sorry, there's no park in the world that's like, <laughs> hey, we want to buy an ad of someone who beat us. You know, that that is clear proof that y you just can't buy your way to an award. And, you know, I think that myth has kind of slipped away. People have realized... No, that's probably not the case. And one of the things you're actually omitting that is that 2016, the event was held at Cedar Point. So they <laughs> lost the award at the time that they were hosting the Golden Tickets. And they also bought an ad congratulating Europa. Yeah, it was it, it was weird. Um, but good on Europa for being so... Oh, both of them. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. wonderful. Yeah, it was... It, you know, and... When someone wants to host, and we have many parks that want to host the live event, you know, we kind of put in front of them, there's no guarantee you'll win anything. And uh, that happened to Dollywood once. You know, in 2007, Dollywood hosted us, and 
you know, they didn't win. Now they've become a huge winner with us because they keep doing great decisions at Dollywood. They're, they were our biggest winner this year. But in 2007, you know, they wanted to host us after Thunderhead had won two years in a row. And um, I, I loved the following, and, and I felt so awkward, but the following year, Give Kids the World Village wanted to host us. And, oh, that was great for people from the industry to really see that facility up close. But I knew they couldn't win anything. They didn't have coasters. They didn't, you know, they didn't have anything. So that that fear was almost allevi- alleviated for me that year. But, you know, there's always a, an element of uncertainty, suspense. But also, I think the parks that have stepped up since have really just wanted to welcome the industry. And uh, Brad Thomas at Silver Dollar City came up to me at Quasi Amusement Park. I think um, they were a co-host in 2017. And he said, Tim, thank you for doing this. The Golden Ticket, if it weren't for the Golden Ticket Awards, I would never have seen these parks. And, you know, the amusement industry has a schedule that's the same for the most part. Yeah, Florida's open all the time. But everyone else has the same work schedule, so there isn't the opportunity, um, or at least not frequently, for you to get to visit other facilities. And this is just a networking opportunity for so many professionals to get together and do that. IAPA's all business, and not to say there isn't some, you know, talks, communications, networking going on at the Golden Tickets, but it's a chance for you to really just talk and problem solve and just network with each other and get to know each other. And that is truly the best thing about attending the Golden Ticket Awards is for all these professionals to come in and, you know, learn from each other and get to know each other. It's it's just an awesome feeling every time, you know, the ceremony concludes. Have you had any Golden Ticket Awards that have really stood out venue-wise? You know, I used to want to say Bush Gardens, it was 2010, was my favorite, and uh, I just love how everything went. But I tell you what, because it changes from year to year, with venue to venue, each park gets to showcase their strengths. So I am just enamored with every park that has hosted us. And, and thrown their own spin on it. Santa Cruz just, you know, I remember Terry Adams, Schlitterbahn at the time, came up to me and said, this is a treat. This is just a treat, Tim, because we were there on the beach. It was wonderful. It was very different. Um, when we were on the showboat, Branson Bell uh, and Silver Dollar City, oh my gosh, that was just awesome. And, and a hurricane was supposed to be moving through and somehow got diverted. And we were up, uh, after the ceremony was over, we were up on the top deck and the fireworks were going off. And I thought, this is just really great. But, you know, the last one we had was 2019 at Silverwood. Oh my gosh, what a charming park. And so many industry professionals came and they wouldn't have had the opportunity to see what a gem of a park Silverwood is because it's just not in a big populated area. So I I love how each park gets to do its own thing, and I'm never disappointed. You know, each one, I I have really good memories from each one, and that's because parks really want to pour their heart and soul into welcoming their colleagues. So for the past two years, Amusement Today has not been able to hold a in-person golden ticket for obvious reasons. 
this year we were able to film it at the National Roller Coaster Museum and Archives. How did that feel? How do you think it went? And how do you think the museum looked? You know, we really we knew we wanted to bring the the main categories back. It was time to vote on those things, but we questioned whether it was time to do a networking event. And in the spring, things were looking a little bit more optimistic. But then parks were just challenged just for staffing. Everyone was just spread so thin. And we made that call. It's like, let's not do it this year. But we knew we needed to do something. And last year, we created special awards for leadership and whatnot during the pandemic. Uh, and, and we showed those online. And we thought that was for what it was. It was a very scaled down, limited uh, golden tickets in 2020. But... We thought it was, the message was given, particularly in a time when people needed, a, you know, spotlights and on, on what you were doing and, and, you know, just persevering. So we decided to do it at the National Roller Coaster Museum and Archives. I thought that was a great choice. You were there with me, Chris. Yes, and, I was. And it was, and I swear we need to do the gag reel because... <laughs> no, no, we don't. <laughs> no. It was so fun uh, to film those uh, award awards announcements from the museum, but I loved how it got to showcase many of the items that are there on display at the museum. And, you know, there's so much progress going on at the NRCMA. It's just like the building went from the first building that ACE funded to then it doubled in size thanks to Cliffs, and then Knobles paid for a third, and now we have this massive, massive exhibit hall to where tall things can be in. And, you know, we just have, you can really lose yourself for two or three hours just looking at it. It's like, oh, this is so cool. I love this. And and then when you start finding out the Easter eggs, you know, like the mezzanine is built from wood from Guazi and the bar is made, uh, uh, Rocky Mountain Construction made that bar out of wood from Mean Streak and there's coaster parts embedded into it and... I mean, if... Uh, the we, seats from Macklin. Yes. They're just uh, giant wheels. Wheels. And you look at it, it's like, oh my gosh, that looks so uncomfortable. But it's it's smooth and it's awesome. <laughs> but, it, you know, all the brake handles on the wall and the bar. It's it's just really, really cool. And one of these days, uh, once it really is to the point where it can be open to the public on a regular basis, we can... We have to create a guide of all the cool little things to know. You know, look at this. This is from Big Bad Wolf. Look at this. This is from this ride. And it's just fun. And you really do get a sense of history. And, oh, that Tilt-A-Whirl model. My gosh. That's uh, uh, decades, decades, decades old. And you can just stare at it for hours. It, it just looks like it's 100 years old. It's a, it's a, It's amazing. So... Um, and just for folks who haven't seen it before, this is like a 12 to 15 foot square model, working model, I might add, of a Tilt-A-Whirl from the you know early part of the last century. It's quite a structure to see and just the mechanics of it all miniaturized. Yes. And if anyone is listening to this and has not watched the awards announcements from the 2021 Golden Ticket Awards, go on YouTube, find these because at each announcement, we showcase one of the, the acquisitions at the park or at the museum. And you can, 
you know, really see the variety of stuff that is there that has been collected and has been preserved and saved. So please go watch those announcements because it's it. The good thing about the backdrop of the NRCMA this year was, yes, we wanted to announce who won, but it really brought exposure to this project and the efforts of the NRCMA. So I really hope that brings it to a broader audience. And certainly the museum's looking forward to continuing its progress towards finally opening up to the public. It's been a wait, but that's what happens when you're trying to raise money from scratch. Right, and it's not like we have million dollar donations and you know one of the things i appreciate about acers is they've been there all the way through Mm -hmm. from the beginning in fact richard munch ace's first president this was a goal of his to one day you know feel this there needs to be a museum for this because there are museums for other things but nothing for roller coasters and all the presidents that followed richard it was top of mind but it was at the same point It's so overwhelming. You're, you know, to have a facility of any type of size owning that building and everything, it's a financial challenge. Absolutely. It, it really is. So, um, how the fundraising work came together was great. And of course, we got to tip our hats to Larson International. Mm-hmm. It's there on their land, you know, and they have donated, donated, donated so many uh, hours of labor to. You know, those structures going up and those things being transported. So Jeff and Hunter and Fred at Larson International, they're they're just awesome. And I, I appreciate them so much. I'm so glad that you brought that up because one of the coolest parts about the museum is that it has been giving back itself to the industry, even though the industry has been giving to it. If it weren't for the museum, Larson may have had to lay off people, but they didn't because the museum was there and that gave them something to do in the middle of the pandemic. Correct. In a weird sort of strange way to say this, the pandemic may have actually helped in getting, you know, the construction moving along a little bit. Oh, I agree. Yes. Um, you know, it, it, it did. It allowed them to take funds that had been raised and purchase this, buy this. And then when the staffing was freed up, you know, with, while everyone put their ride purchases on hold, Larson kept going, and it was a slight silver lining to a, a to a global pandemic, if you want to view it that way. And obviously, we want all these manufacturers to sell rides, build rides, you know, uh, have a great business model going. But at the same point, for Larson to keep continuing the progress of the museum is just inspiring. Absolutely, and they should certainly be lauded for for that. Uh, Heading back now just to Golden Tickets here, you kept saying that the event is about networking. Yes. So if somebody's listening, can they go to the ceremony? Uh, The Golden Ticket Awards is pretty much an industry event. I love how, um, like I say, people who may design drop towers or anything from... AstroTurf to your waterless urinals to whatever you know. If if you're an industry professional, if you're someone who would exhibit at IAPA or um, you know purchase things at IAPA, then uh, those are the type of people that need to get together. They they talk business. Um, 
you know, it would be great if enthusiasts could be a part of that, but their their role really is to be the reason for the event. They they participate in sharing their expertise, and it's because of that that these industry professionals can come together. Um, <clears throat> I, I think the event would be a little unwieldy if everyone could come. Um, there have been specific times, uh, like the theater at Dollywood, anyone could come in. You know, so we had enthusiasts in that audience during the ceremony, and I think we had a lot of random people <laughs> who walked in uh, and thought, what is this? After a, <laughs> after like six or seven things, Dolly did happen to come out, so they, I'm sure they were thrilled to see her, but after, uh, you know, uh, 45 minutes, an hour, things keep going on, and people just keep talking about rides and food and, and, and you know, things like that. They're probably saying, what? is this? And, and I imagine some of those Pigeon Forge people probably ducked out saying, I don't know what that was supposed to be, but we had a great time and it was fun. But it really is because business is going on and uh, conversations related to the industry, it, it really is a networking event in that regard for amusement industry professionals. I feel like it's kind of gotten the moniker, much like IAPA sort of has, that it's a D23 sort of convention where all the fans can come together along with the industry and celebrate. And that's that's not really what it was intended to be either event. And I think Golden Tickets, yeah, I've been lucky enough because I work in the industry to attend several of them. You get to put your hair down because you're exactly. not on stage. Right. You know, at the IAPA Expo, um, People are in suit and tie. They they are there to talk contracts. They are there to to negotiate deals and things of that nature. And the Golden Ticket Awards are not that. Not to say business isn't going on. It's almost those conversations, the precursors to making deals, perhaps. Uh, the but spark. It's, yes. But at the same point, a lot of times those deals come from relationships. And I think the relationships often start at the Golden Ticket Awards. Uh, I remember Chris Ozemek. He once told me the conversations I had there are, were invaluable. You know, they were just so important to him at his role wherever he was at that time. But it's just an opportunity for people to get to know each other. And, and it's very informal to a certain extent. I mean, we're all enjoying the ceremony and you're that's what you're there for, but it's more than that. It's It's getting... It's getting to know each other. Um, it, it's like a, a live LinkedIn. You, know? <laughs> you, you really do get to know your colleagues in the industry and you learn and you learn from each other. Well, Tim, I can't thank you enough for coming on here, dispelling some of the myths about the golden tickets, but more importantly, letting us know a lot more about them and why they're so integral and important and why people are so passionate about them. Where are the next ones going to be, and will they be in person? Our goal is, you never know what crazy variants may <laughs> uh, uh, wreak havoc on plans, but it's supposed to be in San Antonio next year. Um, I hope several ACE members listening know what Morgan's Wonderland is. It's just, uh, it's just a wonderful facility, and if you don't know what Morgan's Wonderland is, find out. Um, they have grown into Morgan's Inspiration Island. I did an article on Morgan's Wonderland Camp, which is amazing, where 
kids with special needs can still do everything. Archery, swimming, rock climbing. You may be in a wheelchair. You can still do rock climbing at this Morgan's Wonderland camp. It's just an amazing facility. And then Six Flags Fiesta Texas. Uh, I, I just love the team there. They are wonderful. Uh, I know they are going to entertain all these amusement industry professionals next year. So fingers crossed that we're... Uh, that all those plans that we're already working on now come to be in 2022. Um, but you know, before we wind down here, Chris, I do want to say to any ACE members who have participated as a panelist, as a voter, you are appreciated. It, you know, I have been just blown away. Back in the days before we voted online using, you know, digital survey apps and whatever it all does. Those paper ballots, I remember people sending them overnight because they knew they were at the deadline and it was important to them that I receive their ballot to be tabulated and bless their hearts. I just thought that was amazing that their passion is so deep. So anyone who has voted, even if you think you're not like everyone else, that's what we want. We want a nice mix. So, so your experience matters. So we appreciate you being a part of it. I hope you feel proud that you're a part of the Golden Ticket Awards. You make them happen. Um, so really, the the enthusiasts are the lifeblood, to a certain extent, of us shining a positive light on the, the industry and amusement parks around the world, because we all need to know we're doing a good job. We really do. And, and thankfully to, you know, the devotees, the passionate aficionados, um, we're able to do that through the Golden Ticket Awards. Ladies and gentlemen, the great, the incredible, the <laughs> Mr. Tim Baldwin, thank you so much. If you haven't yet subscribed to Amusement Today, jump online, amusementtoday.com, check out all the information there. Tim, thank you again so much for coming on and talking to us today. You're absolutely welcome, it was a, it was a privilege. Wow, I love interviewing Tim, and I think Tim just loves being interviewed, period. His passion for the industry and roller coasters and everything around it really comes out in every interview he does, doesn't it? It certainly does, and you can see why he's pretty much at every opening talking up a ride because he's just that darn good. So thank you, Tim, for hanging out with us for a little bit and talking about the Golden Ticket Awards. Well, Elizabeth, the Golden Ticket Awards weren't the only special thing happening this month. Our friends at Coaster Studios and Upstop Media premiered a brand new documentary telling the story of Rocky Mountain construction. In fact, we had a chance to sit down with Taylor Bybee, who's director of the film, and talk a little bit about what it took to create This Is How We Roll. Now, this content is exclusive for ACE members, so be sure to log into your member portal and you'll see that content pop up. Thank you everyone who helps out with the podcast. There's so much that happens behind the scenes and I really want to thank Chris for inviting me to co-host with him this month. I enjoy the chance to catch up with him and all that's happening in the world of the podcast. Be sure to tune in for next month's podcast featuring Jeffrey Siebert, the part president of Six Flags Fiesta, Texas. Looking forward to that. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you real soon.